Yes, hello. How you doing? Hey, good morning. Good morning. This is Thomas. How you doing? Um, yeah, this is Dwayne. I'm speaking for um Derek. Hey, Dwayne. Yeah. So what what is what is what is um Derek's relation to you? Um, our cousin. Cousin. Okay. So tell me what's going on. Um, yes, he was um, convicted um, in 2004, but he was uh, charged in 2002 in the city of Richmond, Virginia, for um, multiple counts. Uh, it was two, two, let me see, I got this written down, two rapes for sodomy, um, robbery, um, two counts of robbery, uh, four abductions, um, six um, possessions of firearm. Uh, he was sentenced to 87 years, 97, 86, um, since suspended to 87 years. But uh, we have affidavits saying that, you know, he wasn't the person involved from one of the guys that was uh, arrested at the time but never was taken into custody. They let him go, but he, he was supposed to have been outside of the... He's supposed to be like a lookout to a certain degree. They let him go. Nobody never contacted him since, like detectives or lawyers or nothing. We have affidavits saying, you know, Derek was the one that was at the room. Also, we got, like, witnesses, uh, the victims... Um, falsely identified people out of the lineup never was taken to trial no DNA evidence for my hat they say it has at least three people um, DNA in it was one was their ex um, one was one of the victims and other people that don't know um, co-defendants uh, have testified uh, that Derek was involved but you know he took a plea for X amount of years cut off his sentence to uh Basically, you know, save itself. Other co-defendant never, never really said much. Never involved Derek in anything. Um, he's he's a cosplayer, so he's named Eric Jiggins. Um, yeah, yeah, no fingerprints. Uh, nothing really. There's uh, like two of the male victims that was uh, at trial. They couldn't they couldn't identify him. Uh, even at trial. You know, there's no probably no real positive identification. Uh, just seemed like one victim, like I don't know her situation, but seemed like she was the main. You know, she knew everything, but when it comes to identification, like description that was given, the fine details. That's how snitches are. They can they can go along with a story, but when it comes down to the details, they don't know the details. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, it's just, you know, he's been gone, you know, now, uh, you know, 20 years, May 30th. So, so tell me, uh, tell me about the crime. What happened that day? Uh, well, the crime was, um, it was supposed to be like, there was a group of guys at a room, you know, a hotel room, I guess they're running, uh, you know, they're smoking, I guess they supposedly had seen some, you know, people, yeah, they feel like, you know, maybe they can, you know, rob or whatever the case may be. So, uh, it was late night, you know, uh, so I believe in the transcripts, two black guys outside of a hotel, uh, room, 
approached a white guy as he was going in. He was asking him, you know, you know what's going on and such and such. I guess they felt like target for robbers, so they came back. They barged into the hotel room. They knocked on the door, barged into the hotel room. Uh, made everybody strip, took jewelry, you know, supposed to have raped and, uh, uh, raped the two females, robbed the three guys, and left with, um, drugs and um, money. From my understanding, um, third guy that was in the room, um, the victims, mm -hmm. was drinking, getting high, you know, things of that nature. That's amount a month later, the victims and such and such were shown, um, uh, photos. You know, photos of uh, suspects. And come to find out, I was just told this by Derek that the detective, somebody that gave the detective information to make Derek a suspect, as well as the other two guys. But nobody knows who this person is or nothing like that because it never came out. The trial just came up there. Just do look through, through the transcripts and the code defendant that. Somebody made an anonymous tip, huh? like an anonymous tip. Yeah, something like had to be something like that, something you know what I mean. But um, because I believe the detective now is dead. But um, like yeah, he was became suspect. But the detective, you know, as it read through his transcript, the detective lied. He said he had got DNA evidence of Mr. Mortimer. The um DNA evidence was there. So they got DNA evidence, then put him in a picture lineup to show the victims. Then after one of the victims had possibly the same the same victim seemed like she picked everybody that was a suspect. She identified them. But the description she gave was it, you know, um, far as you know, right after the crime was not matching up. But anyway, when the detective put these people in the lineup, she so happened to pick everyone. He put in the lineup as a suspect. Uh but anyway, but before that, the detective last said he got DNA, put a person in the lineup, showed to the victims, then came back and um went with the next suspect, which was supposed to be Derek and so on. But as I um look at the uh photo array and um compare the DNA evidence, that was false. The pictures were shown to the victims before DNA after that when we come back. So that goes to tell me that somebody had told the detective, anonymous tip or whatever, that um these guys are uh, supposed they hang together, whatever the case may be. And um because even the guy Anthony Moore, his DNA was behind him, his um one of the females. His picture was not shown first to the victim whom he's supposed to victimize. It was we got um, Lawrence Fitzgerald, which um, was cool with uh, Derek as well. Then Derek Fitzgerald. Then Mr. Morris was last, who was supposedly been the one they got DNA evidence on and was supposed to have been the first suspect. The picture was shown to the people. So it's just like a bunch of, you know, um, inconsistencies and, you know, just seemed like this one victim is like going with whatever, you know, kind of like what the detective is, you know, feeding because, like, the detective even say he put, when he does the lineup, he makes sure he puts a suspect in each of, uh, you know, out of the six pictures or so, he makes sure one is a suspect. So, out of these pictures that were shown, somehow, 
You can't identify nobody, at the, you know, at the scene of the crime. But when the pictures are shown, you can, you know, somehow miraculously six, seven months later come up with this information saying, you know, these are the people or, you know, whatever. But it's just um, the description they gave didn't match up. But, uh, so... Yeah, and the six, on, the six or seven months later, was that at trial or was that still during the investigation? This was still during the investigation. That was in, so at some point in the investigation, they were able to identify people that they weren't able to identify during the time of the crime. Yes. Okay. And and how yeah. many? So the way you said that there were three white guys and two girls. Yeah, two, three guys, two girls. The two girls are claiming they got raped, and then the three guys are claiming they got robbed. Yes. And Derek went to trial. Yes, he went to trial. Um, uh, that was he was arrested May thirtieth, two thousand two. He went to trial April fourteenth, two thousand four. So two years, you know, two years later. And um, like I say, there was, you know, even with the uh, identification on the photo array, they still didn't positively, only person they positively identified was more the one they supposed to have the DNA evidence on. They positively identified him, but when it comes to the other, with Derek and other ones, it was like only one witness. And is the, is the DNA evidence semen? No. What is the... Uh, no, as as far as the DNA evidence that they have at all. Oh, um, uh, I believe so, um, um, Mr. Moore. But, um, like Horn, um, my cousin, like, his was a hit with at least three people DNA in it. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's supposed to have been left. It was a what? A hat, like a like a, a skull cap, like a scully. Okay, okay. Yeah, so that was like um, they saying it was at least three individuals DNA in the hat. You know what I'm saying? Um, so, but like that was the only, you know, thing that was. Uh, and the three individuals were the same three that was in the crime. No, um, it was it just saying um, okay. one was um, one was his. One was uh his being Derek. Yeah, yeah, Derek. Um, one was uh a victim, and they don't know. It's uh, at least three, so they don't know who the other ones could be. You know what I'm saying? So it could have been, you know, multiple people or whoever. They could at least three. Now, when you say I'm the victim, saying, who who is the victim? Uh, uh, I think her name was. That's Barbara. the f- the female. That's the female. Yeah. Okay. So there's only one female that's speaking out against Derek. Yes, well, well, both spoke out at trial. Both spoke out at trial, but during the process, nobody could identify him. But at trial, two and a half years later, they didn't identify him. They couldn't identify him, you know, through the photo array or the description they gave was, you know, pretty inconsistent. But in trial, you know, they. And what was what's, what's what's Derek's background? Um, as far as does he have light charges? Is this his first time getting in trouble? Is you know, is he a dope boy? Is he a jack boy? I mean, what is Derek? Uh, he was um, he was a hustler. You know, he hustled. You know what I'm saying? But not nothing major. And um, no, he don't really have 
no adult record except for like a, a looting police or something like that. Um, that was it, you know what I'm saying? He'll okay, problems as a juvenile, but for the most part, nothing major. You know? Is there anything? Is there anything to show him having a violent nature? Any kind of of convictions like that? No, uh, definitely not as an adult juvenile. I think he may have like a simple assault or some some small, but um, if that. But nothing. But nothing to really kind of show that, because I mean that that's extreme to get, especially to get into rape. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like no, for for, like for somebody to rape somebody, like that's in that's in that person's character, and there's usually there's usually signs that point throughout you know throughout history that person's history. There's there's signs that point to you saying, okay, I could see that this this person would rape somebody. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's not. You don't have no none none. None of that child, you know, no signs ever points to anything like that. Pretty, you know, my cousin's a good guy. You know, really just kind of stays to himself, you know, you know, young. Uh, you know, just ain't really have, you know, too much guidance for us. You know, his father passed when he was young. Grandparents mostly took care of him. And he just, uh, According to street life, so certain group just trying to make ends meet for the family. But for the most part, no real, nothing valid, you know what I'm saying? No shoes or, you know, nothing, you know, that's going to make that leap, you know what I mean, into that realm, you know what I'm saying? So, exactly. Like, so, uh, like, even with his co defendant, um, more, like, they used to be cool at one time, but then, uh, more had gotten into it. More got locked up. Anthony got locked up. And um, Derek wasn't able to help at the time because he was going through his own situation. And when Moore came home, you know, they kind of got into a, you know, not altercation, but, you know, they was just having words back and forth. Moore supposedly went to um, Derek's baby mother and told, like, yeah, he was cheating. He's not the guy he expected him to be. So they never really... They never really connected after that, you know what I'm saying? Their friendship was over after that. So it was no it was no hanging together, no friendship. Everything was, you know, ceased. So that's one of the reasons I believe also, you know, um, that may have paid a part in uh, Moore's testimony against Derek as well, you know, and um, then like, uh, it's a lot, it's, it's a whole lot down packaging just because uh, there's so much evidence that points towards them uh, just putting Derek in a you know in a, in a, in a messed up situation because like for more than what he was uh we had the DNA evidence that he had the same amount of charges as on Derek and uh, Jiggets. But the prosecutor had all this charge non process due to federal with just a robbery and a gun possession for him to come testify against Derek and um, Jiggets but also after the fact, like, um, the guy, Mr. Forpester, who wrote the, uh, affidavit, is saying that the other guy that was there was Otis Johnson, who, come to find out, has been testifying with more on several other, uh, cases. You know, they, they snitched, uh, like, a, like, fires with two murders, uh, like a murder, 
and um, I want to say at a show cause, but they spoke of a murder at the show cause about a guy, um, uh, Lawrence, um, Jerome Fisher. So, you know, it's like they are, uh, they've been working with the police, and I don't know how long it's been going on. Well, I don't know if this happened before. Um, Derek's trial was they doing any, you know, they was in, you know, informants in any type of way. So, um, we got people looking into that as well to see if, um, the prosecutor was aware that Mr. Moore was also, uh, you know, he may have this, you know, already a cooperating, uh, defendant, yeah. Yeah, so, um, we're working on that now, trying to figure that out. Um, well, and, and, and the important thing about that, dog, is this, because again, Another another arena of exposure I really want to get into is how these cops are allowing individuals to go out and commit crimes so that they can make more bus. Right. And if if these dudes were already informants and they're out robbing people and raping people. You know what I mean? That's again, that's something that needs to be exposed because that would have never even happened. And Derek would have never even been in that position if cops weren't using these these people as as zombies yeah yeah so yeah that's what we you know we're trying to okay so so you have do you have the trial testimonies yeah i have um uh, transcripts of it uh, have you been through them yeah i've been through them okay so you know where like the discrepancies are at you know you know where like what you're trying to point out is at Okay, so email those to me. I'll, I'll I'll text you my email, but email those to me. Um, and then I would like to try to interview Derek. So in in order to do that, I would need to find out. He would have to uh, find out, you know, send who his case manager is, and who the media contact is. So he would he would go to his case manager and tell his case manager that there's a media entity out there that wants to do an interview on his case. Okay. Who's the media contact that he needs to to get authorization from, and the case manager will give him that. Okay. Um, uh, his 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 number, um, the facility that he's at, and uh, that'll that'll work from there. But um, yeah, his his name, number, his facility, uh, contact. And then I'll take it from there. Now, a lot of prisons don't allow me to to do interviews. And then from that case, then we'll have to work out another another way. Yeah, um, if, 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 if uh, push comes to shove, like, I could just have him uh, call into this number. Like, yeah, call into this number or his girlfriend. Or, um, and three-way it. Yeah. I've done a couple like that. So, so it'll, it'll work like that. It's not the clearest and it's hard to hear the person. So those times have to be like, you know, early in the morning or, or, you know, just whenever the dorm is the quietest and he'll know when that is, but. Yeah, we definitely can, um, we'll set that up. I don't think that'll be hard because like, um, what is that? It's, it's, um. It's kind of, uh, it's like, cause we got a lot of time, so it's like a high custody. 
home. Yeah, high security. Now, if now with that, any of the people that 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 sign these affidavits that you say that you have, I'll interview those and put them in the discussion as well. You know what I mean, and let them speak what they want to speak if they're willing to. Okay. Um. Yeah, I, can, I I can reach out. Um. I can reach out to them as well. Let's see. Um. They don't have no problem. You know what I'm saying? Like you know, like like I said, we got affidavit. But um. Yeah, I don't think that'll be no issue. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes maybe harder to track others down. But um, we definitely got affidavits done so that we can um we can make it work. No, and and then that's it. So, like I tell, like I tell my people, just sit down, and and what this is is you're just putting together a story. You know what I mean? And and you want that story to be as specific and as factual as possible because that's it. This will be the whole story, a mini documentary that we'll put out on him, and then all I ask in return is, you know, that that awareness is because I do this by my. This is just me. Okay. It's just me doing this. I'm trying to build this foundation, build my 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 platform, all for exposing what the government is doing to us in the poor communities, and how this prison industrial system is exactly what it is. And I'm laying out the the elaborateness of how this affects our public school systems and how it's it is an industry, and trying to explain to people what exactly that means. You know what I mean? So people can really start to understand that when Derek and them start coming forward and talking about, you know what? Listen, I'm guilty in my in my own way, but I'm not guilty of this crime. And I'm doing a hundred fucking years when I should be doing 10. You know what I mean? Or whatever. So that is the type of shit that I'm trying to expose. So I ask for awareness and and donations. You know, so... That's the, yeah, I understand that completely, like, that's no, you know. Because I don't accept, like I tell the people, I don't accept federal grants. I don't want, I don't want the government in my, in my business at all. Not at all. And when you start, when you start seeing these, these organizations where they're taking federal money, then, then you know that they're, they're up under them. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to push their agenda. They're going to push their agenda and they're only going to push so hard of what really needs to change. See, like me, I get so much cutback. Like, they demonetized my YouTube. That's why I'm hurting so much, because that was a lot of my, my income was my YouTube channel. But they demonetized it because they say that I'm too controversial. So you got these you got these other convict channels that are out there talking solely on men raping men, men killing men, gangs versus gangs, all that violent shit in prison. And these people got 50, 100,000 subscribers. But because I'm talking positive and i'm trying to un you know uncover the the corruption in the system i'm too controversial yeah that's always been the case when somebody trying to um tell the truth yeah so that's always been that that's just been the case throughout history but you know once you keep going you know you can't you can't beat the truth so uh it'll work out just fine I'm saying like you'll get you'll, you'll get your flowers, you know, at the end of the day when it's all said and done because you're doing it for the right reason. No question. Um, so I'll send I'll send um my links to to my website and, and, and my organization. Um, I do uh I also uh make merchandise. 
You know what okay. I mean? So if anybody wants any kind of merchandise, specially, you know, specially made holidays, anything like that, that's a way that they can support and things. So I'll send that to you as well. And you can, you know, share that. And, um, and we'll just get started on that. So I, I definitely want to get this out. How, how, um, how much time were they offering Derek if he would have played out? Uh, at the beginning, I think his plea bargain was for uh, 15. His plea bargain was for 15 years they were offering him, and he ended up with 87 in, but a total of 97. 97 suspended. I mean, 10 suspended from 97, which left with 87. 87 for going to trial, for using his right to go to trial. And how much time was his co-defendants given? One was given the exact same amount. Um, the one that went to trial with him, um, Avery. And the other one, um, that's the one that he, uh, the prosecutor had had all his charges non-processed. Then had the feds pick up his case with only uh, like some robbery with the possession of a gun. And um, I think he wound up. Getting, I think he comes home. I'm like three or four years. Got it. Yeah, he come in like three or four years. But yeah, his all his cases was So they did him cases. they did him nice. They they not only did they get his snitch ass out of the state where he'd be protected in the feds, but he, he did a fraction of the time that the two defendants got for going to trial. Okay, got it. And that that's something I definitely want to expose. Yeah. So uh yeah, that's um. Yeah, I don't know how that happened because it wasn't even a federal case. I don't know how they managed to non-process it and send it to feds. You know what I'm saying? Like, is this you know it was all beneficial for you know building up, you know? And then the victims of the crime were white, so all that plays a factor, I believe. Also, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, there's no so question was, about that. And who were like? But the victims were obviously drug dealers or drug users. Yeah. Yeah. But were they what 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 kind of what kind of people were they? Uh I think drug dealers users, um, to a certain degree 'cause I know um they weren't business they weren't business owners or nothing like that? No, 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 not at all. Uh huh, okay. No, not at all. There wasn't business owners, none of that type of stuff. Um there's a few white people that, you know Junkies. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. I, I, I grew up in the hood down here in, in Florida, homie. So I, I mean, that's for me, I've been, I've been in trouble since I was 13 years old. I've been yeah. in and out of JDC. I've spent most of my, my life incarcerated. And then okay. I ended up doing 13 years in the feds for going to trial. I took the feds to trial in a 40 man indictment for distribution of five kilos or more of cocaine it was conspiracy they had no evidence on me whatsoever none and when when they indicted me they arrested everybody at the same time like they kicked open all our doors at the same time but when i went to trial it came out that they had no evidence on me the only evidence they had on me came from the individuals that were arrested at the same time when they cooperated one, where the hell did you get the indictment to begin with to even arrest me if you had no evidence? And two, yeah, like these guys ended up one they, they went from a life sentence down to doing like eight years, seven years, and they were the kingpins. 
You know what I mean? They were the kingpins. I was just a low-level guy selling maybe an ounce or two a week. And, and, and this just happened to be my homeboy. And I just knew him. And I really didn't want to be connected to him. But like you say, I was a hustler. I was just trying to survive. You know what I mean? I was already a a a a, a, a convicted felon at, at 18 years old. I was already looked in my community as a troublemaker and, and ostracized from my community. So what else was I supposed to do? So I was just trying to hustle to survive and start a little business and things of that nature. But they made it out like I was the kingpin with no evidence, just their testimony. They got eight years. They sentenced me to 20 for a first time nonviolent drug offense. Yeah, that's how that's you know that's that's how it works, man. Like that's how they be, you know what I'm saying? Like that's how they be doing. Like they don't care. But it is it's and and it's even like you say. I thought I thought the world done came down on me until I started until I got into the law library, and really got started fighting my case and learning. Like man, I'm lucky. Yeah. Black dudes are coming up to me. You got what for going to trial? Man, I got 80 some years for going to trial for the same shit. How did you get 20? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and that's when I it just I started learning about what was really going on. Yeah, of course. Uh, like it's so it's like like that's when I'm so glad, you know, that he started, you know, really researching this case again. Cause you know, it get kinda hard, you know, you've been been going twenty years. So you know, it get kind of hard, you know, lawyers ain't doing what they're supposed to do, or, you know, PL after PL, getting, you know, getting denied. But um, also, he has a, um, he has a, a lady, Karen Morrison. She's, like, helping um, him um, research his case, and she's doing, like, helping with his pardon for the, um, like, for the government. So she's trying to, she's helping also. So that may be something else, you know, we can talk to because she's doing some leg reform as well. No question. I mean, anybody that can really articulate the facts of the case, you know what I mean? In, in a, in a, in a clear manner is, is perfect. Anybody that can really dig into it. Yeah. Cause see, I think he just, he just hired her maybe like a month and a half ago, maybe two months. So she just, um, she got a lot of people out down here. In Virginia, um, like the governor pardon, like, I don't know how many people not too long ago. And she's, you know, she's one of, like, the, like, top ladies. So, you know, I mean, like, she have, you know, a few different connections as far as, you know, getting in touch with the white people that, you know, expose what happened as well, so. Uh, you know, I interviewed, where you say uh, this case was out of? Richmond, Virginia. You know, if if you go back on my on my on my podcast, there's a there's a show called Conspiracy, which talks about is about my case. But I had a discussion with an, a a big attorney out of I believe I want to say that he's out of Richmond. Uh, okay. What's, uh, how, how can I give you a podcast? Uh, what I'll do is I'll, I'll send you the link to that episode, so you can click on that and go and go to that. Okay. Um, and and uh. No, he's a big supporter of the show as well. So, and he's already said that anybody can reach out to him or whatnot. So, yeah, I'll I'll send that as well. Yeah, most definitely, because we we gotta get this man home. Like it's been too long. It's been too long. You know, child. You know that we got a little girl. She's eleven. She's twenty. 
you know, she, um, got taken away from her, you know, when she was just three months old. So, um, that's been kind of hard on her. Through the grace of God, you know, they have a, a good relationship, you know, even through all the ups and downs, but, you know, that's like his light. He was rock, you know, his, his child. Yeah. It's like she means the world to him, so. Well, just like mostly, you know, that's what he fight for. Just tell Derek. I mean, that was that was that was what got me through, and that's what changed me was my daughter. You know what I mean? So just tell Derek that through this time, just use this time the best that he can to 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 make himself the best that he can. You know. I definitely let him know. You know what I mean? Just this. How I started looking at things, homie, was this. The only reason why. I was miserable in prison is because I was looking at prison as what society told me a prison was. You know what I mean? Just a place for bad people and, and the castaway and all of this stuff. But when I started looking at it, what it really was, and I started understanding that prison is what I make it. And I started looking at it as if it was a monastery. It was my sanctuary because people paid millions of dollars to separate themselves from life, to, to, to go to some place where they can just concentrate on themselves. They don't have bills. They don't have the, the, the pressures of society to distract them. You know what I mean? And, and, and when I started looking at it like that, like this is a time, this is going to be the last time in my life. This is how I looked at it because I was tired of it. And I wasn't going to go through this shit no more. I said, this is going to be the last time in my life I'm going to have this opportunity to spend as much time on myself as I possibly can. So I stopped watching movies in prison and stopped with all the bullshit and just started reading nonfiction, real stuff, facts, history, things, trying to learn as much as I possibly could before I came home. It, it, it changed my perspective on, on how I was living in there. So just let him know just to use this time to make him his best self, you know? Facts. Facts. And, you know, like, like I talk to him, you know, I talk to him often. So that's a lot of the stuff, like you say, he does, you know, he don't, I'm not really him talking about, like, TV, but I know he likes, you know, reading, like, uh, I know he says he's trying to get into the stock thing. He's learning about that. Um, of course, he has to read him. Talk about you know today happening, Sada Shakur and you know, things of that nature. Uh, just, uh, does he have? Does he have somebody sending him books? Uh, yes, his, his girlfriend was sending him books. Um, so yeah, she sends him books at times. Um, but I think they're like they be like up and down a lot. So you know, be something get him get him books on real estate. Get him books on. On yeah, get him books on the stock market. You know what I mean. Get him books on, on, on just things that he himself can produce when he comes home. That's all I was learning, and and the stock market is what has, at my knowledge in the market, is what has kept me alive out here and not having to depend on working for anybody. Yeah, he talks. I mean, he talks a lot about that on the stock market and things that makes it really seem like. You know, that's something he's really intrigued by. Like, it's, you know, it's, it's catching us. You know, he's like that. You know what I'm saying? How, how old is he now? He'll be 40 in November. Okay. I'm 47. Yeah, he was 
he was at the time of the crime, he was 18. Mm. He was 18 and he was like, 18, ready to be 19. It's crazy, and, man. Yeah, we've been locked up ever since. It's crazy, man. And this is a life. This is this is yeah. somebody's one life. You know what yeah. I mean? But okay. Well let's get started on that and then um and just keep me up. I'll go ahead and lock you in my contacts now. And your name is Dwayne, right? Yeah, Dwayne. Okay. Alright, um yeah, so I just um I have um I go through all the paperwork and try to sing uh highlight. You know, a lot of the things that was uh inconsistent uh, DNA results on um, times and things of that nature I can um, put together um, to so you can better, you know, so you can get an understanding of, you know, everything that's going on. And I'm also I have when call out I can contact um I can contact the lady he's dealing with as well as drives um, Yeah. Just let her know what what, what um let her know about this conversation and and what we're doing, and I'm sure that she'll be more than happy to to help with that. Yeah, because that'll help her. Yeah, I'm trying to. I'm so, trying to let's yeah. see what we can do, homie. Okay, I'll definitely be in contact. Keep in touch. And as I said, some of the episodes of um, the interview with the lawyer. Yep, and the links. Yeah, so much, 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 so Good morning. Good morning. Um, I'm I'm gonna merge you in with with Derek's lawyer. Okay. Hello. Hello. Okay. Okay. Everybody, like everybody here. Hello. Good morning. Good morning, Derek. Hey, hey, hey. How you doing, man? Man, many blessings, man. Many blessings. Everybody's on the line. Yeah, same here. Same here, man. Just you know, glad you know somebody you know wasn't to hear my story. No, no question, man. I, I, I've been in that struggle for most of my life. Um, and I came home and, and I know that I, I just have to, I have to get so many people's words on, on, on air so that the communities can hear these stories because they just don't believe it, you know? So this is why I built my platform to bring guys like you on that nobody wants to listen to the story, but. It has to get out. You know what I mean? I just want to announce who I am. Karen Morrison is on the call. Hey, Karen. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah. How are you? Blessed. Blessed. So, yeah. I um, guess... Yeah. Miss, Miss, okay. I know your time is limited, so right. I want to get as much information as we can. So, I guess how we'll start is um, the day of the crime. You know, just the facts of the case. What happened and how you were caught up uh, in it. And we'll just go from there. Okay. 
the crime occurred October the 13th, that night at a hotel, um, I want to say, uh, off, off, of, off of West Broad, uh, Comfort Inn or something like that, where it was, uh, robberies. It was, well, five victims, um, two, but, um, three, three males, two females, all Caucasian. It was alleged, um, three guys ran into the room and assaulted these people, robbed them. And, um, that morning they left sometime October the 14th that morning. And later, I want to say months down the line, I was perceived as a suspect. I knew, um, my mom was like somebody, um, the police that came, you know, come, come for a arrest warrant that I need to turn myself in for, um, for these crimes. You know what I mean? Like, she was like, it's a lot of felonies, like routine felonies, robbery, rape, abduction. So I was just, you know, I'm, I'm shocked. I didn't know what to do. But the crime, the people that was in, they said it was involved was Anthony Moore, Ivy Jiggins, me. But as you know, that's just like the beginning. You know, as time goes along, you find out, I found out more and more about the case. But I'm, you know, I'm, I don't know what to do. You know, so when my mom tell me this, you know, I just, I panic. You know what I'm saying? I didn't want to turn myself in. But I'm like, I'm not turning myself in for no, you know, something I didn't do. You know what I'm saying? So I, I, I panicked, you know what I'm saying? But, uh, individuals in the case, um, their names are, uh, Bobby Wilson, Gina Hammond, um, James Patterson, Jeremy Herbert, and Corey Siever. Uh, these are the, these are the victims of the last crime. And who are those? Me, myself, you know, I'm not. Who are, yeah, who are those? Yeah, who are those people? Like, who, who are they? What are they? Well, the, the names I gave you, um, Barbara Rossby, Gina Harmon, these were, these were two victims of the alleged rape. Um, Corey Siebert, um, James Patterson, and Jeremy Orbert is, um, the other victims of the robbery that was in there in the hotel room. But they was alleged, you know, the guys ran in there and robbed them, raped females, uh, took off with drugs and, uh, money. Um, approximately, like, um, 4,500. And I'm not sure the amount of um, cocaine um, that was taken, but uh, it was alleged that, uh, you know, after they got the money, the guys fled the scene. The description they gave of the, uh, of the guys that um, done it um, was, you know, conflicting. The males, they were like, they couldn't identify nobody. The females, the, um, the information that they gave was sketchy. One say dark skin, one of the guys was dark skin, the two of the guys was dark skin. They called him D. One had a gold tooth, other had a missing tooth. It was in the range from um, 20, one say 18 to 22. Other one said from 30, maybe like 30 or something. It was just a bunch of confusion, but like none of the description that they gave, you know, matched me. And they couldn't, you know, they, I was putting a person around up that couldn't, they, nobody identified me, positive identified me. And then it's like, you know, the description they gave, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of light, fair, light, complected. I have a bunch of goals in my mouth. I have three. Um, at the time, you know, I bad skin. I still struggle with acne, you know what I'm saying, to this day. So, but none of that, you know, um, I don't know why my lawyers never brought none of this up, you know. One of the guys, Corey, said he was out there, you know, one of the victims said he was out there speaking with, uh, the, the individuals that done the crime, um, before they ran in the hotel. Um, 
this the same guy when um when we had trial, he said, I don't look, you know, this it would be me. Because he like, I can't say that I was the one um, that ran into, you know, robbing or did whatever to the people. So, but, and this the guy that seems like he had more time in the light to see what's going on. Um, and he, you know, I tried, he's like, no, nah, I can't, you know, I couldn't positive identify, I couldn't, you know what I'm saying, say that was him. So, uh, but he picked the other, he picked my co-defendant and the other guy on, on more that comes, um, the co-defendant that, you know, they dropped all his charges. He had all this at the exact same charges. They dropped his cases, non-process everything, uh, just uh, stuff, um, he was indicted where they gave him a federal charge of robbery and, Possession of a gun and sent him to the feds for a testimony against that because he wasn't gonna, um, you know, he doesn't want it. You know, that was like, okay, you testify against them, we can get laying the sentence. It was just so much, you know what I'm saying? Like they found a guy that's seen the crime on Antoine Forbes. Um, the detective said, yeah, he was involved. He said he was involved in the case, which we have affidavits that saying, you know, he said, yeah, he did come up there with the people that committed the crime. But I was not one of the um, um, male that committed the crime. I wasn't there, you know, um, when this when this crime took place. But I also, um, you know, as um, another guy that's mentioned, Jerome Fitzgerald. You know what I'm saying? Because I guess all of them was, you know, smoking, you know, smoking in the hotel before the robbery occurred. Before the guys went and robbed, I guess there was more people. You know what I'm saying? From the testimony, there was more people at the hotel than robbed. We got uh Jerome we um contact with him now and he's like, you know, you know, I wasn't there. You know, so I had affidavits uh for that and you know, not too long ago when I can just when I get the uh affidavit we can have it um posted or, uh, you know, show the public that, you know, more people are saying, you know, I wasn't there. So it's just been a you know, it's just been a, a rough rough situation because once you know you haven't done anything but these people got you arrested you know what I'm saying giving you 87 years for some things you didn't do and then it's like you know the detective they lied you know multiple occasions like how did you come about such that you know they like uh they found DNA of um uh Mr. Moore and then they uh after they found the DNA they put them in a picture lineup showed them um to the victim, the victim picked them out, and then um, I was, they never really said how I come about the suspect, um, um, they never really said how I come about the suspect, then it was like they came back, showed them a picture of me, which was all false, because they didn't have no DNA evidence at all, somebody had, uh, I don't know if it was an anonymous tip or, or someone that got arrested and wrote my name and two other people named Moore and um, Fisher. And showed the victims a, a, a photo array with, uh, with me in it. So the detective had lied about, you know, how he obtained this information. You know what I'm saying? Like my lawyers, they never, they never looked into it because they would have looked on the, um, looked at the DNA results as far as um, the time it was submitted. Mm-hmm. They would have known that, uh, this couldn't happen at this time period. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because the photo arrays were shown before the DNA. The DNA wasn't even, hadn't even come back yet. You know what I'm saying? The DNA was taken from Mr. Moore at April. The picture was already shown to the victim in March. March 9th, to be exact. And even, um, 
he wasn't even the first person the picture shown. It was the other guy, um, Mr. Fisher, uh, the one that, you know, that's uh, never, so he just came up there and um, sold the purchase of marijuana. Uh, I sold Mr. Morris some marijuana and left. That's the same thing Mr. Morris did at um, the trial also. Like he came up there for a minute, he left before um, the uh, incident occurred. But it was just like somebody had told the detective or gave him a tip to put me and the other guy, Mr. Moore, who clearly was there. We, that's how we, that's how um, we became suspects. My lawyer, like, like who was this? Like, who, you know, like, why didn't you see me follow up? How he must have whatever the detective got that information, he just ran with it. And then Mr. Moore just took it a step further and went with it because you know you save yourself, so you don't have no problem with uh, you know saying whatever you need to be said to get a lighter sentence. And come to find out, he's not only testified against me, but you know he's testified in several more trials for a lighter sentence as well. You know what I'm saying? So it's like it's just a big bunch of okay, so. So let let me try to okay. So that's a lot of information. So I'm gonna go back and 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 walk through it, and then you correct me if if I misspeak anywhere. So there was there's five victims, right? Two females, three males, and they were in a hotel room doing whatever. Were these drug addicts? Uh, yeah. From my knowledge, um, they they admit just um, snorting powder, cocaine, and smoking weed and drinking at that time. They both just left a club. So then, so then, okay, so then it's safe to, I, I would say that it's safe for me to speculate that these people are in this room getting high. Now, mm-hmm. now the, the, um, the, the, the perpetrators there, how many, there was three, right? Three, um, three ran in and one stayed outside in the pocket lot. Got it. Three ran in, one stayed outside, a robbery occurred, uh, whatever occurred in the room. There and, and the victims are saying that the three males are saying that they were robbed and the two females are saying that they were raped. Yes. Okay. And after this occurred, they found drugs and all them on the victims, yes? After this occurred, I guess um, the victims told the detectives that they were robbed. And they were using drugs. Got it. Okay, so that's in the confession that they were doing drugs and they were robbed. Okay, Uh, got it. Yeah. So, and then how exactly did the arrests occur again? They they gave, I know that you said that the the guys gave like shoddy, everybody was just giving shoddy uh, uh, identities. But how did they clarify all you guys? Something like this, this is where it comes in. Like, the detectives had somebody, like, I, like I'm just finding this out not too long ago, you know, so just going over my papers and things. Somebody had gave it the detective, had, uh, you know, uh, my name, uh, Mr. Fisher. The anonymous tip. That's the anonymous tip. So, uh, and I don't know if they had confidential, confidential form. I don't know. You know what I mean? I just know that, um, that's how we, that's how I came about. And, um, then Mr. Moore, um, he was questioned. He was already arrested. So when he was questioned about, um, the crimes, that's when he, uh, that's when he, uh, said he was involved, you know what I mean, for a lighter sentence. 
definitely was involved for a lighter sentence and um got it so uh, he he turns he turns yeah he turns state they they promise him leniency they promise him time off they send him to the feds where where feds are are a lot more easily uh protected um in them instances and not only that but in the federal system it's easy for them to pluck them out of the system and use them as confidential informants on the streets and such i was in the feds so i saw all of this go on so they're they're very well protected in in the feds. So you go to trial. What was what was the defining evidence that they used to find you guilty on? Uh, the defining evidence was, I believe, for me, because um, it was just the testimony of uh, the female victim saying I was there. Was they didn't, you know, they couldn't identify me on the picture line up two and a half because I went to trial two years later. So the victims um, saying I was there, which was still, you know, was crazy. And then um, with Mr. Moore's testimony, I believe that was that was the uh, thing that I think they, they, they leaned on the most. Because we, my lawyer, he, was weak. he didn't present a lot of, he didn't, he didn't present nothing, you know what I'm saying? Like, he didn't present, like, the identification process, you know, would be like, well, y'all saying this guy got one gold and all this. I got three golds in my mouth. I got three crowns in my mouth. You know what I'm saying? I'm white and I'm young. You know, the ages is not matching up. The things that you say, like, it's dark skin. I'm just like, it's none of this is matching up. And they don't, um, they don't go where, you know, I'm young. I don't know nothing about no, um, about the law. I'm just phone is ready to hang up. So I'm going to can I call right back in? Yeah. Can I stay on with your attorney? Yeah. You- yeah, I'll stay on with the attorney and 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 um get some of hers while you uh, call back in. Okay, I'm gonna call right back. Okay, perfect. Okay. For clarification, I'm not an attorney. I just gotta make sure you we establish that. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm what you call an advocate. Okay. And then tell me who am I speaking with? This is Thomas Freeme. I have the Freeme podcast. Um, Thomas Freeme TV and podcast show. I'm on all platforms. Um, I'm some is Thomas Free. Thomas Freeme is my social media, as in Free Me. Okay. I'm just an individual who's who uh, was pretty much in a school to prison pipeline. Um, the county that I came out of during the 80s and 90s was keeping criminal watch sheets on uh, delinquent students in elementary schools and stuff. Um, so. I was caught up in Pasco County, Florida. Oh, okay, Florida. Okay. Yep. So, um, I was a juvenile delinquent. I was in and out. Uh, juvenile ended up going straight to prison as soon as they could try me as an adult. Came home with no survival skills, just ostracized from the community, and just got into drugs, selling drugs, never using, just selling them to survive, and then got caught up in a federal conspiracy. They had no no evidence on me whatsoever, none. It was what you call ghost dope. It was a ghost conspiracy all based upon people that were just testifying to get out of their time. And they give me, as a first-time nonviolent drug offender, almost 20 years. They give me 210 months. Wow. So that's... And then how did you eventually get out? Well, I... time? I, I, I did. Um, I ended up doing 13 years of that. I spent 10 years in the law library just studying conspiracy, studying the laws and studying how this, this occurred. And, um, 
uh, Obama, when Obama was leaving, he changed the uh, laws to, you know, for first time nonviolent offenders. It ended up knocking four years off me. It took two levels off my sentence. Oh, drug minus two. I'm familiar with, with the, that. The drugs minus two. Absolutely correct. And brought me home. Oh, that's great. Yeah, we. The, my first case was with Corey Jacobs. We did a clemency. I found his attorney, Brittany Garnett, and he was granted clemency. He had 16 life sentences for a first time nonviolent drug offender. And I went on to win my first under President Trump by Daryl Fraser, who was serving life the drugs. I'm definitely familiar with the federal system. So basically what happened is Derek reached out to me. Um, I started working last year. I started a nonprofit organization called Fighting for Freedom, where we advocate for the release of incarcerated individuals. And when I started working, I saw that there was a need to help people file pardons. And Virginia in the change, clemency was the national word, but Virginia calls it conditional pardons, absolute pardons, and simple pardons. So what we decided to do for Derek is we're going to file an absolute pardon because he's absolutely innocent of this crime. If, if he had taken, like participated at any level, then he can do an absolute individual conditional pardon. But there's no evidence that Derek was involved in this crime at all. So we're going to go for his innocence. We hope to win that. So that he can come back. If you get an absolute pardon granted, then you can come back and like kind of litigate your case and see if you can get that um, compensation for being incarcerated for a crime you didn't commit. So that's our goal for, for Derek. Mm -hmm. And and we can tie whatever it is that you're doing or or have going into you know the, these episodes and and put them in the description for the links and such. But essentially, I mean that's what I'm doing here. I I, I built me my own foundation, Coming Home Coalition. And okay. he, here in the Tampa Bay area, I, I'm a, a life coach. I'm a mentor, you know, a mentor. Um, and I deal with incarcerated families because even though that a lot of focus is on the person going into prison or coming home, there's not much focus on the families. And, and that is where a lot of the combustion happens at when we're talking about recidivism because these people don't know how to handle guys coming home women coming home after doing 20 years and such. And and I believe that a lot of the breakdown is in that reentry process, plus on the flip side, these inmates going into prison. So Derek, so when did you, let me see how, when, when was it that you noticed that you were being framed? Like what was the first red flag that something wasn't right and you knew that you were in trouble and it, and really didn't see a way out. I, sh I knew when, uh, when my mom was like getting treated, you know, the police was just changing the house, looking for you with X amount of charges. I'm like, what? She like, yeah, you know, they like, you, you know, turn yourself in, we're going to put you on the news and all this. I'm like, man, they going to put me on the news and I ain't doing nothing. So I'm like, man, I'm not, you know, I'm just I'm scared, you know what I'm saying? I'm young, I'm not 18 at the time, you know what I'm mm. saying? Like, no, matter of fact, I'm, I just turned 19. You know, I just had my first child, you know what I'm saying? So it was like, I'm not leaving my family, you know what I'm saying? Like, no, oh, I ain't, I ain't do nothing, you know what I'm saying? So I'm just, I'm, I'm scared. I don't really know what to do. You know, I don't really know what to do because I ain't, I've been in trouble before, but nothing, you know, I was a juvenile, but nothing like, you know, nothing serious like this, you know what I'm saying? For it to be warned to be put on the news and things like that, and especially when you know you, you didn't do nothing. So, you know, 
that was when I first noticed, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was, it was, it was, it was you know, I was being afraid. I was just, it was, it was serious, you know what I mean? Because the dude, um, Anthony Moore, the, you know, the, the suspect, uh, the one that's convicted of this, you know, me and him, we ain't like each other. You know what I'm saying? Like, we ain't, we ain't different. So I'm like, how did I get, you know what I'm saying? How would I get mixed up with him? Because, um, at one point in time, like, we had, uh, dealings with each other to a certain degree. You know what I'm saying? But, he got mad, you know what I'm saying, because I couldn't help him out, get him out on bond one time, you know, and he came home, he got locked up, he got arrested. So when he come home, you know, it was a rift between us because I couldn't help him. You know what I'm saying? He lied to my, um, my child mother at the time, that was my girlfriend at the time. He lied to her, told her um, I was cheating on her, I was, you know what I'm saying, I'm women tight, you know what I'm saying? So they had cheated, had took it to the movie, so, you know, I'm mad about that. So it's no way. I'm like, why would I be dealing with somebody, you know, involved with somebody like that, you know what I'm saying? Like, but I did not know that he would come and turn around, you know what I'm saying, months later and confirm, like, and try to confirm or, or put something, put these people against me like this, you know what I'm saying, where I'm going to take away my life, you know what I'm saying, take, take my child away from me, you know what I'm saying? So, so do you feel, do you feel like that's, that's why he targeted you is because he got beef with you? Yeah, and, and, and not only that, I believe that also, and I believe he did it to, to stare at his friend, because also, um, um, like the affidavit, the guy Antoine Forbes, who was saying he was there with the people that, um, that committed the crime, one of the names he gave was, um, this guy named Otis, you know what I mean, um, that's the dude, Anthony's friend, but Anthony don't mention him, but not only that, one of the victims also picked, um, Otis out as a suspect, doing the picture online and mm. in trial and in trial the detective they asked me like who we need you to identify but I'm I don't know who this person is at I'm not knowing this. So they like we need you to identify who this person is is not at trial. So everybody kicked the bucket. I mean kicked the can down the road and said, Well Mr uh Detective Forbes um Detective um Foster guy. So when Detective Foster come on the stand and testify, he said, Well, Detective Redford had the information. But Detective Redford is never there to confirm that. So doing, you know, researching, doing my homework, coming to find out the other person is Mr. Otis. You know what I'm saying, Mr. So it's like he didn't want to put his friend, the same like to me, involved. And, and then coming to find out not only that, but Mr. Moore later was involved with Otis on another case out here in Lyco. And then Mr. Moore Otis also testified against another person. Mm. Like, after, um, after I went to trial, so it just seemed like, you know, he could try to protect him. I, I don't like doing it, but I just throw, you know, throw me in the mix, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, he saved his friend. You know what I mean? He tried to look out for his friend, you know what I'm saying? He didn't want him to get no more trouble. He, you know, he don't, he don't deal with me, so. How mixed was your jury? White, black, it was, it was kind of mixed up. I can't hardly remember it in so long, but I, it, it, was kind of, it was kind of mixed up. I can't hardly remember yeah. So okay, so now about your your appeal process, what, where is that at, and and what has gone on with that appeal? So like you're in, you you got found guilty, you go you go to prison and you start your appeal. What happens? Okay, I start my appeal. Like I had lawyer uh David Leck and he was his name. Like 
before, you know, something like before this, because it took me two, like two years, maybe a little over two years just to get the trial, because I didn't have a paid attorney. You know, so I had to um, use the court appointment attorney. And I kept getting rid of them because I felt like, you know, they weren't doing, you know, they weren't doing certain things up to standard. You know what I'm saying? Um, like, two of my attorneys were like, okay, um, we will get you home. So, like, twice I was supposed to went home for these charges. Like, twice I was told when I go back to court, I'll be released. But uh, lawyer uh, David Amino, I went the first time. He didn't show up. They continued my case. So, I, you know, I called him like, what's going on? You know what I'm saying? So uh, they did it again, like he's going home. So I get uh, I go to court, same thing. I'm like, no, I I feel like you you working with the prosecutor to try to find time for them to you know uh build a case. Yeah, to build a case. You know what I'm saying? Because there was no evidence. You know, there was no evidence. But but to your point, um, after I was convicted, um, this lawyer, um, Mr. Lett, had found out too. You know, he didn't do a good job. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, 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 it was like, he, he didn't do a good job at all. So I lost my appeal. You know, I lost my appeal, even though, you know, there was no evidence, like, uh, identification, um, no fingerprint. Um, it was a hat with three, uh, people DNA, at least three people, uh, DNA. They say, um, it's like a skull cap. But they say that was at the scene. Um, it was supposed to be my DNA, on the victim's DNA, and, uh, some other people they don't know who it was. But it's like a regular like anybody know like a skull cap like you wear in the winter, like a bean. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's just you know, they cost maybe like three dollars at the store. Um and not only that, my my lawyer didn't even challenge that because um the forensic fast person said, you know, when you're doing DNA, you're trying to extract DNA from anything. It gets difficult out the two. Process gets difficult out the two. You know, um so it was, it was more it was more than three people then when my lawyer did do a good job at that time of pop on breaking it down where it could have been you know multiple individuals as far as with this head thing you know what I'm saying but that was like that was it my lawyer did an awful job on my appeal so um like at the time um I filed got somebody filed um uh, helped me with the habeas corpus so when I filed for the habeas corpus you know, the judge had wrote back and wrote to the prosecutor like y'all need to address me. Uh, my lawyer at the time, you know, because of your state, you do your, uh, your your appeals. Once you use your appeals, you have to do, you know, in the state, you have to do your habeas on your own. Mm-hmm. No attorney, you got to find, you got to find a jailhouse lawyer. So um, that's what I did because I couldn't afford, you know, because I couldn't afford a, a lawyer. I, I heard a so, But but the claims they the, the guy brought up, he told you the judge had wrote back. Well, we have and vote the process that y'all need to address these claims. Well, basically, like, if y'all don't address these claims, you gotta let this guy go. My lawyer turned around and signed an affidavit for the prosecutor and basically confirmed everything that the prosecutor said that every odd, every, uh, error I brought up, the, uh, the lawyer was aware of. You know what I'm saying? That's how I lost, that's how I lost my appeal. You know what I'm saying? That's how I lose my, uh, my, uh, my habeas corpus. My 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 previous lawyer went with the prosecutor. Yeah, he went he went with the prosecutor. You know what I'm saying? Like saying he was aware of all this type of stuff. You know what I'm saying? He basically started with the prosecutor because I was I was one that I was one that uh I was a client that I wasn't just gonna lay there. I wasn't gonna let you tell me anything. 
you know what I'm saying? I'm a question you because it's my life. So being it that, being it that, you know, I think that was one of the reasons why he just went on like, I don't care. I'm gonna, you know, uh, sign an affidavit for the prosecutor. You know, so it was just, uh, so I just had to, you know, I just had to, you know, find new discover evidence to, uh, get back in court well, which right now, um, I have one affidavit. The other one will be, I had it before the week is out. And also, um, like, during the time, like, when this crime occurred, like, I was at home. I was with my child mother that weekend because we was expecting that Monday the 15th mm. was we was going to see the ultrasound of our child. That's our first child. So this is the weekend you ain't going to forget. You know, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a memorable weekend because it's our first child. So mm-hmm. we had to go to Manchester that, that morning, at, um, that Monday at 9 o'clock to see the sex of our child, you know what I'm saying? So that weekend, I won't do anything. We were just chilling. And I was watching movies like we always do. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I was, I was home, you know what I'm saying? But, um, like, and my, um, my child mother, um, we had have the affidavit for that as well. And I can, I was, you know, like I say, I had that post. You can put it up, you know what I'm saying? So you can see copies or whatever, you know what I'm saying? So it's just, it's been hard, you know what I mean? Like, it's, 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 it's been a rough journey right here, you know what I'm saying? 20 years for some things, you know what I'm saying? Like, 20 years mm. for something you didn't do, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's, it's been rough, you know what I'm saying? Like, I got to raise my child, you know, through the grace of God. You know, I kind of, you know, I, um, I just been blessed, you know what I'm saying? Even in this messed up situation, I've been blessed, you know what I'm saying? I got a woman who loves me, I got my children, you know, my family support me heavy. You know, it's just, no, I understand. You know, a lot of dudes don't, a lot of dudes don't, don't, don't have that, you know what I'm saying? But even though while I'm in this, in this, in this tough situation, I'm thankful, you know, because I understand that, you know, it could be, it could be worse, even though I feel like I'm already, don't, can't get no worse to it sometimes, but it could be worse. I couldn't have the people that love me like they love me. And I don't, I couldn't have the support, you know, and I'm just, you know, spend times I want to give up and that, you know, and I'm like, I can't do that. You know what I'm saying? I can't, I can't let my child down. I can't, can't let my nephews down. I can't, you know, I can't let the people I love down because they do doing time with me. So it's just, it's just been, you know, it's been, it has its ups and downs, you know, but for the most part, I still thank God and, you know, I'm doing everything I can and show my innocence. And I'm, I'm blessed, you know what I mean, to have the people in the corner to fight, fight not for me, but with me. So it's just, it's just, uh, I understand, brother, and I hear you. And and just like all the other innocent men that I've interviewed in prison, Tamujin Kinsu, Lloyd Johnson, Curtis Davis, you know, these these men are, are innocent, factually innocent. Tamujin Kinsu uh, up in Michigan been in prison for 37 years as a frame a frame cover up because the mayor's son was a crackhead got killed in a crack deal gone bad and they would rather just pick somebody up off the street and paint a story around him and put him in prison than to admit that the mayor's son was a crackhead and he's still in prison right now right now as we speak everybody's still fighting to get this guy out and it's yeah, yeah. and my message see the message that i bring homie, is that this is a system. We all sit around and talk about the prison industrial system. We talk about prison as a business, but I don't want that to turn into a cliche. 
People have to understand what they are doing to our communities. This is a legit, tyrannical business that they're doing. So when it comes to people talking about they're innocent, they don't care. They already know. They, 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 they publicize that stat. You know, that, well, we know 10 to 15% of, of people, you know, innocent people get wrapped up in this system and, and it's, it's collateral damage. We do what we do to try to get them out, but that's just how it goes. This, this is how they look at it. And the community is okay with that, but I'm not. You know what I mean? Because I understand how important my life is. It doesn't matter if anybody else deems it important. I do. And I'm not going to sacrifice my life to be collateral damage for some political gain. And if I'm not, I know that you're not. And I know that other men aren't. So that's why I'm here doing what I'm doing. They try to get people to understand that law came first, not crime. Law came first. They created the law which created the crime. So when these people are saying that they're innocent, you have to understand what that means. Like, like I said, like it's just, you know, just emphasis. And I know, you know, there's multiple cases where, you know, they, they just don't want, they just, even though they know they're wrong, they just don't want to admit that, you know what I'm saying? They wouldn't just let somebody just ride away. They don't care who actually did it. They wouldn't just let somebody ride away for, so they won't have the black eyes saying it was wrong. Right. You know they would rather let somebody sit in prison for the rest of their life than have, a little smear on their portfolio, you know what I mean, or, or or something like that, and and that's what's disgusting about it, and that's why when, like you and I have these conversations, I want those people's names on blast. Like, who was the prosecutor? Who was this detective that was, that was doing all this corruption? Are they still active? Like, like I, I know, um, Detective Frost, I believe he was older, so I think he passed away. I think Mr. Redford. If I'm not mistaken, I think he left the state, but the prosecutor still, she's been prosecuted over, over here, Michael Shannon Taylor. Like, she's still active, you know what I'm saying? Like, she's still, uh, in office, like, doing her, you know what I mean, whatever she's doing. And it was just, like, different, like, other people came, like, testified, talking about they heard certain things, like, they were just adding on to the prosecutor's defense. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just ain't making, you know what I'm saying? It just, it just didn't make no sense. Can I, can I call back one more time? Sure, you can call back as many times as you need to, partner. Okay, I'm ready. I'm gonna call back and just phone and hang up. Okay. I'm still on. Okay, so it was Karen, yes? Yes, Karen Morrison, M O R R I S O N. Okay. And so we'll have to definitely connect and um I'll definitely bring some awareness to what it is that you're doing. And that's essentially that's that's the root of, of everything that I'm trying to do is bring unity, bring all of these organizations together. I'm trying to separate these organizations that are just out there. F- you know, passing fly-by-night legislation so they can just get grants and money and separating them from the true organizations that are out there trying to get people out of this system. Right, well, thank you. And like you said, this case is really important to us because um, I usually just file conditional pardons and because it's difficult to win an absolute. But one thing we will not do with Derek is we're not going to do a conditional. He had nothing to do with it, so we're going to do an absolute. And it becomes more difficult because they're rare to grant. However, like, the truth is the truth that he's actually, and then he has, I think he has one more thing you should ask him about that. I think he has a writ of actual innocence that he's filing now. And then, um, while he's working on that, we're also doing the absolute pardon. So just talk to him about where he is in the, in the process so that 
have on record. Okay, of the writ. Okay, writ of innocence. Okay. And um, yeah, I think that's where he is now. While we're working on the absolute pardon, and what happens in this particular case, like you said, the more exposure they get, and you, you know, we're gonna be retweeting and reposting anything that you have just to bring awareness to this case because when the governor hears that you have an innocent man in prison, you know, um, those are the kinds of things that he'll he's gonna be looking out for to to look into. And then also, you have a very important question that you should ask Derek as well. Remember, this is a rape case. So was there any DNA to prove that the women were raped? Thank you for That's refreshing really because important. when, yep, when we were talking about that earlier, I wanted to clarify that and, and, and he got to talking and I, and I sidestepped from that question. So thank you for the, for the remembrance on yeah. that. But, um, no, absolutely. And my question, I guess, is what is the process of the actual innocence? How does that work? Does that work off? signatures well two different things the, the court is the same when you do the writ of actual innocence it's still going through and you're trying to prove your innocence so you're asking for post-conviction relief but like he's gathering affidavits to show like he had an alibi a secure alibi um and was brought to their attention but they seem to be, they didn't even really care about that so he's going to go through court and the commonwealth i think it's the commonwealth general mm-hmm. the attorney general is what is going to be involved at the higher level to determine whether or not he's really innocent. And versus the absolute pardon, all we have to do is, oh, I got to take this call. Can you, can you hold, can I hold, come back in? I got this an attorney. Yeah. Yeah, there I can call on anyway. Okay, good. Okay. 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 Yeah, hello. Hey, there. So we were sitting here talking about, you know, the the process of the actual innocence and such. And, and it came to my understanding that you are in the process of writing a writ of innocence as well. Yeah, that's like, that's what I'm writing. You know what I'm saying? I just do it. It's sure thing, you know what I mean? Like, far as bring forth as much evidence as I can to um, support me to show my innocence. You know, like I said, we got a few more affidavits coming down the line. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, with the, you know, Everybody that this guy said that was there or was aware of the crime, so far in contact, you know, they telling their story like, nah, I wasn't there, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I'm saying? They know, like, I won't, you know, I wasn't involved, you know what I'm saying? And even with my child mom, like, who's also written an affidavit, I'm in the process of um, getting now and it's showing on that, you know, we was at home, just confirmed my story. But, um, like, at the beginning, like, when I got arrested, like, I ain't know none of this stuff. Like, I ain't know what to do, you know what I'm saying? Like, and they come and they come find the guy. The pork suspect that was outside of the, uh, it was outside of the hotel that um, they found it, because they found him at the scene of the crime. They questioned him who was there, you know what I'm saying? He gave him nickname. I wonder if that's the anonymous tipper. Uh, I don't think, I don't know, I don't think, I don't think he was just, um, the suspect. I mean, I don't think he was the anonymous tipper, um, um, because just of uh, the, the way they, they, they spoke about him on the store. So, mm-hmm. and also, if he, um, you know, I have an affidavit from him saying, like, I wasn't, you know, wasn't a suspect. Um, I wasn't there. Um, he wasn't, I wasn't the guys he rolled up. No, I'm talking about the, the, the fourth, the fourth guy that nobody knows who. Yeah. Okay. No, we got, right, I have his um, affidavit. Okay, got it. Got it. He was, yeah, I got his affidavit. But it's so crazy because my lawyer they didn't do anything. Like, how can you not find this guy? You know well, this is this is what I'm I'm gonna start asking about is is what did the attorney do at trial? So did did he bring in any character witnesses? 
I mean, how did he portray your alibi? He never, um, he never said nothing. He didn't breathe just in putting on the stand. And one of the victims that, um, was so adamant about this victim, like this, this, like, you know, this, whoever was a suspect that the detective showed to her, she pointed him out. Even though, um, like I say, one of the guys that wasn't on trial, but he was supposed to be a suspect, she pointed him out. Like mm-hmm. everything that you know, it just seemed like you know, and I don't, I don't, I don't think I know it's not a conspiracy. I believe she was, you know, kind of coerced, or you know, which is one with like we need because it's no way. Like mm-hmm. it just seemed like she was adamant about everything, but it kind of conflicts a lot of conflict when more testimony and hers, you know, um, kind of come together and you can see the differences. But the victim is so adamant, you know, what I'm saying like. Know about this and that, you know what I'm saying? But it just seemed like she was the more cooperative one as far as with the detectives, I believe. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was just like it was just. Um, so your attorney did did nothing at trial to. He didn't even. He didn't even question the um one of the one of the victims. He didn't even question her. Like the, she was like um when he um in the photo of rape. Well, how? Okay, so okay, so rape was involved. And, and um, did they have any DNA evidence pointing your way at all? No, 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 um, no, no DNA, um, no, uh, none of that. You know are are like, you charged no, with no. the rape? Yes, I was charged with rape. Um, and convicted. Rape. And convicted. Yeah. And there's no evidence, no. no DNA, no nothing tying you to the rape, other than what they're saying. Other than, um, it was a, it was a it was a beanie, or like a skull cap that was at the scene of the crime that says it had at least three people DNA, nine, uh, uh, one of the victims, and some, they said at least three. So that was at the scene. Where did that hat come from? How did your DNA get into that hat? It's like I said, it's a, it's a, it's a skull cap, it's a beanie. Like it's something you wear on your head. Like it's like they, they cheat, you can get them to dispose of anywhere. So it could have been, I don't know, you know what I'm saying? Like it could have been. You know, picked up or, or you know somebody else, you know, or whatever, because I'm still in. Like you just found and like you leaving. You know, it's it's, 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 you know, it's no high. Nothing you can't you get at any corner store, you know. Um, but it's no like it's no, and 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 yet it's still, even yet it's still like there was no way to challenge that because we didn't have an expert to challenge if it, it even was my DNA. You know what I'm saying? But it was a hat, like that was all. You know what I'm saying? There was no. No spine, no, no, no blood, none of that. It was just, it was just, it was just like skin DNA that you wear from, like you walked into a Seven Eleven and tried on a beanie one day and put it back on a rack, and somebody walked behind you and bought the same beanie that you tried on and went and robbed the store. Yeah, just something like that because they say no, they ain't say no more hair or none of that was in there. You know what I'm saying? It's just like DNA. You know what I'm saying? Like they ain't say, you know what I'm saying? Like there was no spine, there was no hair. And this, and this, this testimony. This testimony came from a DNA expert that the state called. Yes. Yes. And yeah, but also you got like to the, to the main point is that it could have been anybody. Well, well, this is this is what I'm trying to this is what I'm trying to clarify is that these these DNA experts is who the state called to testify against this. And how did your attorney respond to that that that? that testimony about your DNA being in that hat, was there any kind of 
factual evidence to, to show that this is your DNA in that hat? No, it was, I, I ain't gonna, no, it was no factual evidence to my knowledge. You know what I'm saying? Like, because they took DNA. You know what I'm saying? They took, they took, well, they, they, they took our blood. You know, because they had to have something to compare it to. But far as we challenging that, you know what I'm saying? Because that's an expert. Once they say expert, and you know, right? Well, so 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 I let me let me clarify a little. So like in trials, when they're using DNA, they'll take the barcodes of the DNA and barcodes from your DNA and line them up so that people can actually see that this DNA matches. Did they do that with you or did they just have these experts just say, no, we did the test and it matches? Um, Jeff, they, um, they did, well, I, well, I, I, I got the paperwork now where they did do a, um, a, a, you know, a test or whatever they say, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh-uh. Say it was my DNA. Let me interrupt. More like a certificate for analysis. Yeah. And what it does is that it just says that this person cannot be ruled out. But like you're saying with the chromosomes, because mm-hmm. I know what you're talking about, the mm-hmm. intense one where it actually says that this, this is because of the chromosome linkage. Yes. No, that's not what this. That's not what it is. It's just a certificate of analysis where they just do DNA. And we've had um, private investigators that can actually. Pull that out and say African Americans have the same type of DNA, but to be real specific to him, if that's not the kind of test that they did for this particular case. That's what I'm trying. Thank you. That's what I'm I'm trying to to for the listener, so that the listener can understand that because when we hear DNA, we automatically think, oh well, he's guilty. DNA. So I'm trying to get the listener to understand how just because DNA is involved doesn't necessarily mean that that person is guilty. So, and and then when we're dealing with corruption, whether people want to believe it or not, but these experts will get up on the stand and lie. And they will cover for the state because who knows? Maybe they have their own agenda. Maybe, who knows? Who knows? But they will lie and they will say things that are not true. I guess that's, that is what I'm just trying to clarify when they're talking about your DNA, because it sounds to me like that is the only thing that they use that trial to put you at the hotel room. And and if they use that to put you at the hotel room, then they said, well, you're guilty of everything then. Yeah. Right. There's no surveillance case. No. No. Yeah, I mean, like, there's nothing. There's no surveillance case. There's no. Uh, even with, when you think about a rape case, you always think about a rape kit, right? Mm-hmm. And with the rape kit, that's where you'll get the sample hit for the semen or um, the fluid. Mm-hmm. But there's none of that in Darcy's case. And his, the more, believe it or not, the more serious charges are the sexual charges. Mm-hmm. And he was convicted. And, see, and in the state of Virginia, those are hard to overcome because the burden of the proof is not necessarily on a prosecutor. It's it's really on the defendant. Even though we think that it's supposed to be on a prosecutor, that you have to prove without a shadow of a doubt that he did commit this rape, but just the mere fact that someone can identify him, this is what a lot of these innocent men are facing, especially with rape charges, because if, if, if we're going to do a conviction, I want, I want DNA. Yeah. I want something, hair samples, hair follicles, form the victim. <laughs> of the perpetrator, but none of that is taken. There's no DNA 
in the in the hotel room, especially and 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 well, and that's the thing with me is is like rape isn't. I mean, that is for a person to rape somebody like that is your mo. People just, in my opinion, in my my criminal expertise, I guess you would that say. Is correct. You you just don't you just don't rape somebody out of the blue. Like you have to have that in you, that type of person in you. And there's red flags. There's there's there are signs to say you know what I, you understand what I'm saying? Like there's a guy here and a guy here, and one person was to say this person raped somebody and the other person, nah, he's not that type of person. But then you have this other person over here when you say, Well, he raped somebody. I could see him doing that. You understand what I'm saying? And so would you say, Derek, like, is there anything in your history that that they could have used that trial to show that you're even capable of doing anything like that? And, and, and your attorney didn't paint that picture to the jury at all. Like there has to be some sort of something to show that this is even in this guy's character. Nothing. Like he ain't like he didn't even question like one of the victims. You know, like I like, ain't even question. You know what I'm saying? Like this person was like, it's just twenty out of trial. You don't even question. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you don't need like it's, it's nothing. You know, what I'm saying? like it was like it was, it was awful. Like it was, it was it was awful. You know what I mean? Like he didn't do like it, it, it transfer was terrible. You know what I'm saying? Like it was, it was terrible. I was so mad. Like, but you know, I'm seeing it. You know what I'm saying? I'm seeing it unfold at trial. Like, you know, this dude ain't doing nothing. You know what I mean? Being outside, like, I got with, like, like two, three previous attorneys. You know, then it was so crazy because, like I say, um, because I had a substitute judge come in. And the judge prior that, you know, I've been going in front of, she had came, she had sent the, uh, the deputies over there to ask, you know what I'm saying, was that okay? Doing trial, you know what I'm saying? Like, because I know she probably understood the evidence wasn't, you know what I'm saying, wasn't what it was supposed to be. You know, when she had some other that, like, they check on me, you know what I'm saying? Check on me, like, make sure I was okay, you know what I'm saying? But, like, I know you ain't do nothing, man. Huh? Like, hold, hold on, hold on. So you had, you was in trial and you had one judge and then they switched to another judge? No, no, before, um, leading up to trial, I had this one judge I always go in front of, um, Miss Taylor. Okay. Um, I always went in front of her every, every proceeding, you know just so happened when trial came, she was my judge. Um, I don't know, I don't know if she had to do something. I think she was in drug court or something like that, but she wasn't my judge for the trial. But she sent word over there that actually she sent the deputy to my um, to where my lawyer was at. Mm-hmm. To, um, check on your well being. Okay, like she had to check on me as I was doing my nothing. Because I know she knew, because I, like I say, was like the lawyer previous before that, like I suppose went home twice. The same charges, you know what I'm saying? Because they, like, he, they knew. But I believe my lawyer, you know what I'm saying? They, they work with the prosecutor just, uh, and pull on so they, so they can build a case again. That's what they did. I just believe, like I say, I believe Mr. Moore, I ain't wanna have this man take the fall. And then the prosecutor, you know, we, a different race here. And I don't wanna make that, you know, I think they was just looking for a conviction. And they did whatever they could, uh, to convict him. Like, they ain't care who it was. You know what I'm saying? They just looking for another notch on their belt, first day. They ain't care who it was. Do you feel like you were an easy target? Yeah. Yeah. And do you feel like yeah. your your uneducation in the law, in the process, even being just a young juvenile at that time, 
was taken advantage of? Of course, because you, if you lack the knowledge of the situation, you're not prepared. You don't know what you know. You don't know what lies ahead. So you may not be as you fighting, but you don't know how to fight. You know, you just you know, if you go in a match, if you go in the ring with a a boxer, you know, you're gonna try to defend yourself, but you don't know the technique. So you just scrambling, you know what I'm saying? Like you just scrambling, trying to do whatever you can. Like five lawyers, uh, but you're not, you know. A lawyer is paid to, you know, they go to school for X amount of years to fight these type of things. And just a person, a young, uneducated, you know, uh, teenager at the time, trying to go up against it, you know, fight these people yourself. Like, yeah, it's easy pick if you don't have the support. So yeah, it was, it was, it was definitely, um, it was definitely easy. I tried to make it hard as I could, you know, I fought as much as I could, but I, I didn't know, I didn't know them. I didn't have the support. Yeah, you're fighting, you're fighting a 10 headed dragon and you had no idea. I was the same way, partner. And the reason why I asked those questions is because, like you said, it's, you have, you have white America, you have, you have white prosecutorial America, and they see, uh, in their eyes, young black thug come in, uneducated, easy target, easy conviction, we wrap this case up. We look like heroes. We move on to the next one. And yep. that is happening in every courthouse. All of the, all of our teens that are coming out of these poor communities and going into these courthouses, uh, this is what's happening to them. It's, it's, it is a system. It's a system. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's sad. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's sad because I know, you know, I know there's other guys like me that's in the same situation. You know, it's 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 it's, it's just sad because if you can't, you don't know, you lack the knowledge, you don't have the funds to hire the the right attorney, or you don't have the support. Like a lot of the time, it's where you end up. You know what I'm saying? Even you're innocent. It's just it's it's, it's sad. It's a shame. And and that's and that's a lot of the issue. Is it's like you just said, homie. Like hire the right attorney. How the hell do we know who the right attorney is? Because when we get in there, these attorneys are telling us, like they're car salesmen too. Like attorneys are car salesmen. They know how to sell us. They know what to say, what to do, how to treat us. They know that we're vulnerable. They know that we're desperate. They know that we want to hear that we're going to get off or get minimal time. They know all of these things. And then it's like, you know, all of them, it's like, they went to school together. You know what I'm saying? They, they, they in the same building, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, they know these people, you know what I'm saying? Like, and it was crazy because I spoke with his attorney, um, before. He was like, look, I'm going to be straight up with you. He like, man, they trade people. Mm-hmm. They make deals. I take this case, you take this case. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was, was honest with me, you know what I'm saying? Like, man, they, they, that's, that's what they do. It's you called horse trading. It's called horse trading. And from this from another, you know, this this from attorney, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like he was straight honest with me, you know what I'm saying? Turning anyway at the time was uh, Wade Jacobs. I never forget. Yeah, I never forget. And that's what they'll do. They'll 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 they'll, 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 they'll meet at the water cooler and the prosecutor will say, uh, I'll let this guy get off or I'll give you what you want with this guy if you let me have this guy and they'll trade. The, 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 the attorney will then go to that defendant and, and get him to cop out or plea out and tell him that that's his best choice. 
to get that conviction that the prosecutor wanted, and then the prosecutor won't fight so hard or give the attorney what they're asking for on another case. This is what they do. I've been, I've been here 20 years now, you know, and, um, like when I left, you know what I'm saying, I left my child, you know, she was three months, my daughter just turned 20 in February, you know, so that's, that's, that's hard, you know what I'm saying, like, that's hard, you know what I'm saying, to leave your, your kids, you know what I'm saying, like, mom go through it, you know, my sister. I left my daughter, I left my daughter at six months old, and, yeah. and, um, and had to watch her grow up through pictures. And I had to listen to the horror stories of what was going on in life, knowing that I couldn't do anything. You know, I can't do anything. And, and, um, so I know that terror, that fear, being around pedophiles, watching these guys come into the prison, hearing the horror stories, knowing that my, my daughter's out there with no one to protect her. You know what I mean? And, and trust me, I, I know. And, all I can say, homie, is this. You're there for a reason, and we don't know what the reason is. But what happened with me in my transition was I stopped looking at prison as prison. I was always looking at prison as what society wanted me to look at it, as it was uh, depravity. It was hell. It was the worst people on, you know, on earth and, and criminals. And... I stopped looking at it that way because that wasn't the case for me. People around me were good people. They were broken people. They had issues, but they were still good people, you know. And I stopped looking at prison as prison and started looking at it as a monastery. People paid millions of dollars to, to separate themselves from life, to, to go somewhere, to stay in a monastery where they can solely concentrate on self. And... For whatever reason, life presented us with these opportunities to focus on self and nothing else. And that's what I started doing. I stopped portraying the, the quote unquote prison life and just started portraying my life and what I wanted my life to be. And just because I was someplace I didn't want to be didn't mean that my education stopped. Yeah, like, like, and I, I, I understand that completely because like myself, like I read. Like it's countless books, you know what I'm saying? Like I read, I can't even name all the books I read. Amen. You know, uh, you know, you know my my queen, she sends me different books, but you know, to uh, read to keep, you know, to prepare me. You know what I mean? To give me strength, but also prepare me for when I, um, when God do, you know, when I do get out of this. I know I'm, you know, I know I'm gonna be home. You know, what I'm you can't deny me. Amen. You can't deny me, you know what I'm saying? So, um, you know, she used to provide me with a lot of educational books, you know what I'm saying? Self-help books. And I, you know, I just read or study, you know, pray to God, you know, I just try to walk in the right manner. You know, because I know at the end of the day, when I step out of here, you know, I was never perfect. And I'm a better man than I was, you know what I'm saying, 20 years ago. Amen. You know I mean, I just, you know, so I don't, I, it's a hard place to be in, but I, I make the best of it. Right. And, and, and that's how life is, partner. We just do what we can. We want things in life. You want to be home. I want, you know, I want to, 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 to redo my fatherhood. Like, but it's just not. And we just deal with what we have, and we make the best of what we have, and we just continue life from there, knowing that 
there's a higher purpose. And that helped me deal with a lot of my anxiety. That helped me deal with a lot of my personal pain because I understood that these were just things that I wanted. I wanted to go home. I wanted these things, but God had a, a bigger plan for me. And now that I'm doing what I'm doing now, I can understand that a lot of the things that I went through in my life was for me to understand the pain that I was going to be working with. And and I think that's why I'm so relatable to so many people, because I understand. I've been around addiction. I've been a thief. I've been a manipulator. I've been a jack boy. I've been a dope boy. I've been in prison. I've been all of these things, you know. And and I'm so relatable to these broken people and they find comfort in opening to me more than they do their own therapist because they know that I can relate. They understand they know your story, you know what I'm saying? Like you said, they adjust to we understand I'm not gonna judge them. I'm not gonna judge them for their mistakes. I can't. You know what I'm saying? No one's perfect. Everybody has, you know, their issues. You know, and uh, it was a struggle. You know what I'm saying? It's been a struggle. You know, everybody trying to deal with things different. You know what I'm saying? Like, who am I to judge? I'm not perfect. That's it. I'm not perfect. And I still love you the same. You know, and I love you for your brokenness because that's, I've been broken and I know what that love means and, and, and that's the thing. So that's how I look at it. That's how I deal with the decisions that I've made in life and that's how I deal with my path is knowing that. It just is. And I'm helping people now, and that's all that matters to me. So that day is going to come for you, homie. That day is definitely going to come. This is just all preparation. Yeah, this phone going to hang up, and I don't know how long they're going to let me out of here. I don't know if they're going to let me back on the phone. Maybe one more time. I'm going to see. I'm going to try to call back, and then just I'll let them let With, me off the phone. When it if back. not, I think I think we got enough to, to put a, together a great episode. And, um... And you're always welcome to call and talk anytime about anything. So okay, um, well that's that's cool. Well, I just well we can just make this the last call then, and um, if I guess my um Miss Morris is still on. Um, if there's any more questions, like she maybe can fill you in with a little better detail of like like how the process go. Yeah. No, I'll wrap up. I'll wrap with her. Her and I had a a few great discussions while you were off as well. So okay. Um, okay. just take care of yourself, homie. Keep your head up, man. And spread the word to the people in there that I'm for the people. Free me podcast. I need as much support as I can get. I, I, I definitely will. Um, yeah, because me and my, my cousin that spoke with me, um, um, prior, you know, I, I think we spoke with my cousin Dwayne. Yep. So, um, yeah, y'all discussing things. So, um, I know he's on top of that as well. I'd just like to thank you, man, for, um, for, for bringing my story to light, man. Like, it's, it's this this means a lot to me and my family, and um, it's this this it's been a blessing, man. Thank you for you know helping get my story out here, man, to bring me home. Cause man, I'm truly innocent. I just need everybody to know that, you know, I, you know, I'm not a bad person, not perfect. Uh, I'm a victim in this. You know, and I just want you know I just want to be home, get home to my family. Yeah, no question, man. No question. And I love you, partner. You take care of yourself. Just keep your head up, stay strong, and, and keep keep educating yourself every day. Don't let don't waste a day. You know what I'm saying? That's how. That's what I say to myself. 
that's, 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 a, that's a main piece right there. That's a nice way to look at that. Yeah, this phone will hang up, and I don't want to hang up in your face, man. Thank you for everything, man. Thank you, man. Thank you for you. And now, we're definitely be in contact. No question. Stay right, safe. You, thank you, Ms. Morris. Thank you, Mr. Morris. You're welcome. Okay. We'll talk to you, Darren. Okay. Do you want me to stay on the line, or you got it left for me? Um, and any any final thoughts? Any any um, your organization? Any plugs? Any anything that that we can do? Yeah, well, I just actually called you. It's called Fighting for Freedom. And like you said, just the support of getting Derek's story out is going to be very helpful. We'll be able to re- repost it. And, um, you know, his fight is incredible, but we I feel like we have enough information that we can present a great absolute pardon to the parole board and to the Secretary of the Commonwealth. And we just hope that the governor, he's a Republican governor, but we know that he believes in second chances and he wants to correct some of these injustices. And when we do submit the absolute pardon, I just really hope that they will take this into serious consideration. We will be promoting it on social media when we do file, and then we'll, we'll reach out to you if we need any other help. But if you ever want, um, you know, be more than happy to do a sit-down, because we've been really successful in Virginia. I did win a case in Florida for a gentleman that was incarcerated for selling less than 200 grams, $200 worth of drugs. And, um, he violated probation for 18 years on just a probation violation and is still incarcerated, even though he was granted, uh, parole. He still now is doing the three years for the selling of the drugs. Mm, mm, mm. I'll tell you what, man. <laughs> no, absolutely. Yeah, and- no, thank you. I appreciate that. And 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 the same thing. Like I tell representatives, listen. If if these representatives are are talking about their cr- for criminal justice reform and all of that, I would love to sit down and analyze that. Let's find out how you know how how much are you really behind criminal justice, and how much do you really want to change? Because if that's the truth, you have nothing to fear with sitting down with me. Right. Well, thank you, and good luck. And if you need anything, just, 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 just reach out, okay? Absolutely. Stay safe. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you all. Yeah, thank you, everybody. Thank you.